said, amen. You may be seated. And I just have a few announcements to give to you. We have our Beast Feast coming up in March, March 5th. It is the first Saturday of the month. It starts at 1 p.m. for our Men and Boys Beast Feast with the activities, the archery, the fly casting, and a 4 p.m. program uh, with dinner and all that good, good venison and good game meat, but also some domestic food for those who would rather eat hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, and it's going to be a great time. It's free, and we have uh, flyers here available. That you can come and pick up and be able to share with those around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, invite people out to this event. We haven't had this in some time, and we're excited to have that back. And we are continuing our Beams Bible offering, so use the purple envelope in front of you to, um, to donate towards our Bibles. They are the hardback Bibles that you have right in front of you, and these Bibles go out to third world countries, people who may just have paper Bibles or no Bibles at all. These are great, sturdy Bibles that they can use to study the Word of God. And now I'm not going to take any more time. We're going to get right to the preaching. And you all know Brother Ed. He is the founder and director of of Up Ministries, Up in Ministries International, helping the prisoner within, unleashing the prisoner within, but also our discipleship program with the Ambassador Discipleship, and he is coming this evening to give us our message. So let's give him our attention, Brother Ed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, turn with me, if you would, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. I'll give you a couple of minutes to get there. Revelation 21. So before we begin, let me ask you a couple questions. How many of you at some point in your life have been disappointed? Now, I'm not talking about you're disappointed like your roast burned or maybe you had tickets to the ball game and it got rained out. But I'm talking that heart-wrenching, heart-breaking type of disappointment. How many of you have experienced that sometime in your life? Amen? Okay. How many of you have sensed betrayal? Maybe someone you looked up to, someone you trusted, someone you counted on betrayed you, and it hurt you very deeply. Anybody? Anybody experienced that? Well, y'all have been very, very fortunate, okay? So let me ask you one more question. Let me ask you one more question. How many of you have regrets? Okay? I'll raise both hands on that one, okay? Because I, ha I have regrets. But, you know... So my, what I want to talk to you tonight is that, you know, we're going to have disappointments and we're going to have people reject us and people betray us and we're going to have those heartbreaking situations and we're going to have regrets. But, you know, it's what we do with those that really matter, okay? Because, you know, if we have, if we've been hurt, if we've been offended and that hurt, if we're not careful, that hurt will turn into anger and then what happens to anger if that's not dealt with? It turns into bitterness. And then that just poisoned everything in our life. And, of course, we don't want that. And God doesn't want that. God warns us about having a root of bitterness. And, you know, if we don't deal with our regrets in the right way, then, you know, Satan would just use that to beat us up and beat us down so that we can't move forward in our Christian walk. And so we don't want that to happen. And so it's very important what we do with those things. And what we do with those things is found, well, first of all, we, what we do with those things, obviously, is we give them to the Lord, okay? And, you know, when you're talking to someone and they're talking to you, you know, being in prison ministry, Cheryl and I, 
we deal with people that have tremendous regrets, tremendous remorse. And, you know, we talk to, if you're not careful and you can tell someone that's going through something like that, someone that's been deeply hurt and, and they've deeply hurt other people and they have all this, these regrets, and you tell them, well, you know, brother, you need to give it to the Lord. And, you know, that can sound like such a platitude, can it? And it can sound like it's very uncaring, very cruel, like you just don't understand. But the truth of the matter is, is what else can we do but give it to the Lord? And when you really think about it, hopefully by the end of this message tonight, you will see that giving it to the Lord is the perfect answer. Okay? And the reason we can give it to the Lord is found in our text tonight. Okay? So if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, verse, beginning in verse 1, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the truth of your word, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that even though in this life that's filled with sin, Lord, we're going to suffer heartaches, we're going to suffer pain, we're going to suffer betrayal and disappointments, Lord. But, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you make all things new, Lord, and that we can give these things to you, Lord, and nothing is wasted in your economy, Lord. And all those heartaches and all that rejection, all the pain, all the, all the regret, Lord, you use that, Father, to mold us into the person that you want us to be. And I just thank you for that truth, Lord. And no matter what happens in our life, Lord, we can turn to you and we can find something new that you want to do with that, Lord. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray, Father, tonight, Lord, that you would just fill me with your spirit, Lord, and speak to your people tonight, Lord. I'm sure there's someone here that needs to hear this message because you've laid this message on my heart, Father. Or maybe someone watching on YouTube that needs to hear this, Lord. But I pray, Father, that you would just speak to hearts as only you can do. And I just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So what I want to focus on is verse 5, and he says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And, you know, that's why we can go to God with our cares. We can go to God with our, our regrets. We can go to God with our failures. We can go to God with our uh, disappointments and our betrayal. And whatever we're going through, we can go to God with it because he makes all things new. Amen? And so what I want to talk to you tonight is about some of those things that he makes new. Okay? And, you know, we could, speak, we could preach a, a year-long series on this. Okay? But I just want to cover a few that God laid on my heart. Obviously, the first thing that he makes new is he makes life new. Right? You know, when we get saved, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is probably one of the first verses we, we memorize. You know? A lot of people, that's the first verse they memorize. And what does it say? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. 
And, you know, that's one of, the, one of the first verses we learn. But, you know, when we come to Christ, we receive new life, right? And, you know, I, when I was thinking about that, I thought about, you know, there's actually two aspects. There's probably more, but I thought about two aspects of that new life, okay? First of all, we receive a new nature, okay? Because remember in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he said, you must be born again. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And, you know, when we get saved, when we accept Christ as our Savior, and we receive that gift of salvation, what else happens to us? We receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us, right? And so we, we become spiritually alive. We have that spiritual birth. We receive that new nature, if you will, okay? And so we have that new nature, but we also have something else, and that is we have a new standing, Amen. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about, you know, in Acts chapter 26, you know the story, Paul, he's on his way to Damascus, right? And he's, he's got the authority of the, the, the head guys back in Jerusalem, and he's got papers, and he's going after those Christians, and he's going to arrest those Christians, he's going to throw them in jail, right? And on his way, he meets this bright light, and he's knocked off his, his donkey, and he's blinded, and he says, Lord, you know, after they have some dialogue, he says, Lord, what would you have me to do? And in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, God, uh, Jesus tells Paul, he said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles so that you can turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so that's what has happened to us as part of our new, new, new standing is we're no longer in darkness. We used to be in darkness. We lived in darkness, and now we live in light. Amen? And that is so wonderful, such a truth. And not only that, but we were in the power. We were in the domain of Satan. He was our ruler, and now we're in the, the domain, the power of God. Amen? And that is so comforting, isn't it? That's such a wonderful blessing. Not only that, but we once were orphans, and now we've been adopted. Now we are children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, As many as received them, to, give, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So we're no longer orphans. We have a new standing. We're no longer orphans. Now we are children of God. And as, as Tyler was sharing with us this morning, we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay? You know, I, I, we, we get a lot of letters in our ministry, and, and we got a letter a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, from a young man named Aaron. Aaron is 18 years old, and he's in jail down in Florida. <clears throat> and he wrote to us and asked us if we would send him a Bible. But that's not all he asked for. Because his letter went on, and he said, this is hard. But he, he went on, and he said, my dad beat my mom and me. So I never really had a good male figure in my life. I'd greatly appreciate it if you would mentor me. I'm trying to do better with my life and would love a little guidance. I'm trying to stay away from the past bad decisions and drugs. My story is like Paul's in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, but I'm still learning and would love some guidance. You know, that young man didn't have a loving father. He didn't have a caring father. He didn't have that godly father figure in his life. But now, 
He has a father, a heavenly father that loves him and that cares for him and that will nurture him and protect him and watch over him and guide him if he would just let him do that. And not only does that young man have a father like that, but you and I have a father like that. And you know, no matter whether you came from a very loving, caring, nurturing family, or whether you came from some broken, dysfunctional, abusive family, or whether you came from some family in between, if you are saved, if you are born again, you have a heavenly father that loves you and cares for you more than you can ever imagine. And I want you to make sure that you understand that you know that. God loves us more than we could ever dream or ever imagine. Not only do we go from orphans to adopted, but we go from servants of sin to servants of righteousness. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 6. Jesus said, whoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And you know, we used to be sinners by nature. We couldn't help but sin. But now we've been freed from sin and no, no longer has any power of us over us. And now we've become servants of righteousness. Our standing has changed. Amen? Now we can say no to sin. And we're no longer its servant. You know, one of, the, one of the definitions of salvation is deliverance. Okay? We've been delivered. And we, we, we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. We are being delivered from the power of sin. And one day, praise God, we'll be delivered from the presence of sin. Amen? Now, I should get an amen on that. If you don't amen anything else tonight, you should amen that. We have been delivered from the, the penalty of sin. We are being delivered from the power of sin. And one day... Praise God, we're going to be delivered from the presence of sin. What a glorious day that will be. Amen? Aren't you looking forward to the day when you won't have any more temptations? You won't have any more sins? You won't have any more regrets? You won't have any more failures? That's because of him and what he's done for us. And I just thank God for that. Not only do we receive a new, um, new life, but we also receive a new identity. You know, Cheryl and I minister to a, a, a gentleman that he's in his 50s now. But, you know, when he was a child, <clears throat> you know, we see this a lot, obviously, being in prison ministry. When he was a child, he was severely abused. He was physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. He was beaten. He was locked in the closet without food. He was told that he was a mistake and he was no good. And he was told that all his childhood. He endured that all his childhood. And as a result, he medicated with drugs and alcohol. He was obviously very angry. He was very violent. And he committed some very, very violent crimes that sent him to prison. But you know, in the last 10 years, God has been doing a major work in this young man, this man's life. And you know, we, Cheryl and I have noticed it. You know, there were times when someone would say something to him and he would snap and he would attack him just like that. And now, you know, recently someone was talking to him and he just kind of walked away. And, you know, he just, he doesn't want to hurt anyone. He doesn't want any problems with anyone. He just wants to, to, to live for the Lord. He wants the Lord to change him. He wants the Lord to do all these things. He's just open for whatever the God wants to do in his life. But, you know, recently, about a couple of months ago, I think it was, he called. 
And he was sharing that, you know, now he's, here recently he's had these episodes where he'd go to sleep. And he had these dreams about his childhood. And he'd wake up, wake up, and he's just absolutely weeping. In fact, one night he woke up and he was weeping so badly that the correctional officer came to his cell to find out what was wrong. And he just has these episodes. And so he called me and he's sharing with me. He said, Brother Ed, you know, this, I'm, I'm doing, this is what's happening. I don't know what to do. You know, help me. What, can I, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, as he's talking to me, I'm praying, you know, Lord, what can I tell this man? What can I tell this guy? You know, and I used to feel like I had to have all the answers. Right. I felt like, you know, when I when an inmate came to me for help, I had to have all the answers. But you know what? I don't have all the answers and I don't have to have all the answers because I know who does have all the answers, you know. And so we talked about it. He said, what is what does this mean? Why is this happening? And I shared some thoughts on that. But then I told him this. I said, remember this. You're not that little boy anymore that was beaten and abused and locked in a closet and told that he was no good and no, no value and he was a mistake. I said, you're not that little boy anymore. Now you're a child of God. And he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to nurture you and he wants you to walk with him and he will care for you. And I said, if you would just understand that, and if you will embrace that, and if you will live that, and you see his goodness, and you experience his love, and his care, and his goodness, then those dreams will go away. And I believe that's the truth. I really do. I believe that's the truth. But I wanted him to know that God loves him, and cares for him. And he loves you, and he cares for you, just like he does him and me. Amen? God also gives us new desires. Our desires are new. Uh, John, Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thy heart. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to give you whatever you want, but he will place his desires in our heart. Okay? I, I received an email a few months ago from a man down in, ten, uh, down in Florida. rather. He's serving a life sentence, and he, was, uh, he had an addiction, a very bad addiction, and it caused him to use people, and it caused him to try to control people and manipulate people, and people were just an object to him, and he hurt a lot of people, and he caused a lot of damage to people, okay? And he, he emailed me, and he was talking about how the Lord is changing his heart and how much regret he has and how much, you know, he said, I used to think that I was a man. He said, I didn't have any idea what a man was. And he talks about, you know, all the, all the, the regret that he has. But then he, he says this, and, and I'm paraphrasing from memory, but he says, I have no desire whatsoever to have any control over any other human being. I don't want any control over any other person. He said, the only thing I desire is to know and do the will of God. Amen. God has changed that man's desires. He used to be abusive, manipulative, controlling, and he was only out for what he could get, and everybody was there to serve him and to do what he wanted, and now all he wants is to 
know and do the will of God. Amen? You know, when we first get saved, I, I think our desires change as we grow. I mean, I, I, that's obvious, okay? You know, when I first got saved, and probably when you first got saved, you know, all of a sudden you had a desire, a new desire, and that new desire might have been to go to church. You said, Man, you know, I, I used to have no interest in going to church. Now I want to go to church. Amen? And maybe you say, you know, I never even thought about the Bible, but now I want to know what the Bible is about. I want to know what God is like, right? And then as you grow, and you grow and you learn more about the Bible, learn more about God, learn about, about his love and his care, then you say, you know what? Now I have this desire to tell other people. I want my friends to know this, right? And then, you know, as you grow and you grow, you get more desires and more desires and more desires. And God has given you the desires of your heart. He's placing his desires on your heart. Amen? I, uh, Paul, I, I, I like what Paul said. Paul said in, in, Rome, in Philippians chapter 3, you know, he lists all his credentials. You know, I'm a Pharisee, a Benjamite, all these things. I was trained under this guy, you know, and all this sort of thing. And then he says, I count that stuff but dung. He says, you know, I don't care anything about that anymore. I don't care anything about that status. I don't care about that influence. I don't care about, about you know, being looked up to by man. This is what I care about now, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul's desires had changed. You know, sometimes it's dramatic like that. Sometimes it's a little more subtle, but it's just as, just as important, okay? A couple of weeks ago, I had to go down to Richmond to the VA hospital. I had two appointments. I had an appointment on Thursday afternoon and another appointment on Friday morning. So Cheryl and I, obviously, we we're going to drive back and forth twice a week. Drove down and we got a, a hotel. Now, I've told you guys about Sonny. Sonny was in my Bible study at Deep Meadow. And after he did his state time, he had to do federal time. So he went to the jail while he was waiting to go to federal prison. He led some people to the Lord, started the Bible study. Then when he got down to the federal prison, he led some people to the Lord and he started the Bible study. Okay? And then he was released in October and he had to go to a halfway house in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Well, he was released from that in December, and he was able to come back to Virginia, so now he's in Richmond. And so when he came to Richmond, Cheryl and I drove down one Saturday, was it? We drove down one Saturday and took him to breakfast, you know, took him around and bought him some things and you know, just spent some time with him. And so when we were going down to Richmond, I said, you know, it'd be nice if we got together with Sonny again. Maybe we can take him to dinner this time. And so I called him, and I told him, I said, we're going, coming down on this date. We're going to spend the night. How about if we go to dinner? Well, he was working that night, and he couldn't do it, so he said, well, how about if we do lunch the next day? So I said, okay, fine. Well, the next, that Friday when we went down, our lunch with Sonny turned out to be lunch with, <laughs> turned out to be lunch with Sonny, Sonny's sister, two other former inmates from Deep Meadow, uh, one of those inmates' girlfriend, and the former chaplain from Deep Meadow. And so we're in this little, little grill, little Mediterranean grill, and we got our food, and we're sitting there eating, and we're just having a wonderful, wonderful time. You know, we're not bothering anybody. We're over in the corner. We've got a table over in the corner, and we're just having some good fellowship. We're laughing and joking and having a good time. And I sit back, and I'm just kind of watching everybody, you know. And they're just talking about the Lord, talking about how good things are going, how God's blessing them. 
And I couldn't help but think, before those men went to prison, they wouldn't have never cared about something like that. Their desire was to get high, get drunk, party, do some kind of other stuff, whatever it was that led them to prison. That's where their desire was. But now here they were. They were just as happy and content just enjoying a good meal with friends, with brothers in Christ, and having fellowship. And I tell you, that just warmed my heart. It just warmed my heart because I knew that their desires were changing. And you know, while they have a long way to go, what they desire, they're open to what God wants to do in their life. And they're open to God changing them. And God will work in their life. God will change them, and their desires will change, and they'll become more godly men. And then they'll affect other men, and other men, and other men. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? So God gives us new desires. You know, we pursue what we desire. You understand that? We will pursue what we desire. And so if our desires aren't lined up with God's, we're going to pursue the wrong things. And we don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that we are lined up with God. I thank God that he's placed his desires in my heart. I thank God that I don't pursue the desires I used to pursue. I thank God that I pursue things that he wants me to pursue. Amen? And so I'm just so thankful for that. God also gives us a new purpose. A new purpose for life is what I'm talking about. When the, when the long, young lawyer came to Jesus and he said, he said, Master, what is the greatest commandment? And out of all the commandments, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all, that, with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, so our main purpose, our main um, priority should be, first of all, to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You agree with that? That should be our number one priority. It shouldn't be making a living. It shouldn't be making a name for ourselves. It shouldn't be building an empire. It shouldn't be saving for retirement. It should be loving the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Amen? And I, I, someone prayed, you know, maybe Tyler or Gabe or the prep pastor here might know who it was, but someone prayed and they said, Lord, may we see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. I like that. Amen? That should be our prayer. Lord, may I love you, may I see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Amen? And if we would do that, man, what would that do for our lives? Amen? You know, if we love the Lord, our life will take on a new purpose. First of all, we have a purpose to love him, but if we do love him, it's going to take on additional purpose just because he's in it. Right? You know, when, when God is in the middle of things and God's in the middle of your life, you just have a whole new purpose in life, don't you? A whole new purpose to things. If we love him, then we're going to want to know him. Amen? And the way we know him is by if we seek him. Jeremiah said, if you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And we seek him by spending time in his word. We get into his word 
and we seek him and, and we, we learn about him and learn from him. Amen? We also, if we love him, we want to know him. Now, well, I just said that. We don't, we know him, but we also will enjoy him. <laughs> if, we, if we love him, then we're going to enjoy spending time with him. We want to spend time in his presence. You know, Jesus told a woman at the well, if you drink the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. Amen. Because when we know him and we're in his presence, there's that satisfying, um, the satisfying spirit that we have. Amen. We feel satisfied. We feel content. And we just, we just, where we belong. You know, unfortunately, many times we don't enjoy the presence of, of Jesus because we're too busy being a Martha and we don't take time to be a Mary. Amen? And we need to make sure that we take time to just spend time in God's presence. Just sit quietly, get your Bible out and spend time in his word and just pray and seek him and let him speak to you. Just be quiet and let him speak to you. Amen? We need to make sure that we spend time as Mary and not spend all our time as Martha. Okay? If we, please, if we love him, then we're also going to want to please him. So that means we're going to obey him. We're not just going to read his word, but we're going to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And we also find that we're going to want to glorify him. You know, we're going to do, Paul said, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do it for the glory of God. So we need to, everything we do, we do for God's glory. But then we ought to make sure that he gets the glory. I was reading in Acts the other day, and I forget the exact passage and the exact wording, but I know it'll be familiar with you. Peter, I think it was Peter and John, they're going into the temple, and there's this lame man or blind man or somebody, and they were begging for alms. Remember that? And, and Peter looked at him and said, Such as I, you know, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So he must have been crippled. Rise up and walk. Okay? And the man rose up and walked. And then when they began to question him, you know, he says, if you want to know how we, Peter said, if you want to know how we did this, Jesus did this. Peter didn't take any credit for that. He said, Jesus did this. So, you know, when we, when God does something, God uses us to do something, to touch someone's life or to, to do something for his glory, we want to make sure that he gets the glory and not us. Amen? Let's make sure he gets the glory because he deserves it. Amen? And not only are we to love God, but we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. You know, when we put, when we love our neighbors, you know, excuse me, we, we put us, it puts us outside of ourselves. We, we take our focus off of us and we focus on them. And, you know, we're talking about what to do with our, our, our heartaches and our rejection and our disappointments and our betrayals, and we give them to God. And one of the best things that we can do is to take the, our attention off of ourselves and focus on someone else. Focus on sharing with someone else. Focus on meeting someone else's need. Focus on caring for someone, loving someone. Just letting them know you're there. Hey, you know, I can't do anything about what you're going through, but I want you to know I love you and I care. And I'm here. If, if all I can do is just be a shoulder for you to cry on. If all I can do is be an ear for, to listen, I'll do that. And, you know, but it takes the focus off of us and puts it on someone else. Amen. That's the best thing we can do. You know, 
When we invest in someone else, when we love, some, we love other people, and we invest in other people, sometimes that's risky, isn't it? Because what that does, if you invest in someone else, you're opening yourself up to be rejected, to be betrayed, to be, uh, what, you know, disappointed. You know, Cheryl and I, we, we come in here and we, we share these wonderful stories about inmates and how God's moving in their life, but all the stories aren't like that. We've been lied to, lied about, stolen from, misunderstood. You name it, haven't we, baby? We have. But, you know, it's worth it. We're doing what God wants us to do, and so we can put up with all that other stuff because we're doing what God wants us to do. And every once in a while, he'll give us that special person that we say, yeah, it's worthwhile. It's all worthwhile. I was talking to Sonny the other day. He called me, and, and we were sharing, you know, and he was talking about he's working at Walmart, and he's in maintenance. Now, maintenance at Walmart is anything from sweeping and mopping the floor to, you know, unclogging the toilet or changing the light, whatever, whatever they need done. And Sonny has this attitude that he's working as unto the Lord. And so he does a good job, right? So what is the reward for good work? More work. <laughs> exactly. More work. The reward for good work is more work. If you go to work and you do a good job, well, they will give you more work. Okay, that's, so, and it's the same way with Sonny. He's, he goes there when they call him, they tell him, new, you know, to, something spilt and they need him to mop it up. He goes up and he's smiling and singing. He's mopping it up. If, you know, he talked about somebody spilled a bunch of blueberries and he came, went over and he was singing on Blueberry Hill while he's sweeping them up, you know. And, you know, he just has this great attitude. He's just happy with his life now. He's happy with his life now. In fact, his sister, the reason she went to lunch with us because she wanted to meet the people that gave her her brother back. And I said, well, that's Jesus that did that. Amen. That's Jesus that did that. But, you know, he's just got this, this whole new attitude about life. And he just enjoys every day of life. And so they see that at work, okay? And they've even offered him a promotion. They told him, look around the store. We want to keep you. You look around the store. See what area you want to work in next. And let us know. So not only are they offering him an, an, a, a, a promotion, but they're letting him have some input into where he, that promotion is. But he gets calls. He said he's on to go from the time he walks in the door till the time he walks out. And this one, the other night, this man called him over because he needed him to do something. He said, I see you running around here. And he said, I hate to bother you. He said, but, you know, I know that you're going to do this right. And so I'm, I'm, I hated to bother you. And, and Sonny said, you know what? He said, I get tired. I get tired, he said, but God gives me strength, you know. And he said, if you need something, I'm here for you. And so as we were talking about that, I told Sonny, I said, Sonny, you know, you're there. You're not just there to make a, get a paycheck. That's a ministry, okay. You're there. That's your ministry. You, when you go to work, that's your ministry. You're a light in that place. And you're supposed to reflect Jesus Christ. You're supposed to glorify him in everything that you do. And as we talked a little bit more, he, he talked about, you know, he, when he told that man that God gives him strength, the man smiled, you know, and then he kind of walked off. And, and I said, well, you know, I don't know what that man, I don't know if that man's saved. I don't know if he's unsaved. I don't know whatever. I said, but he's going to be watching you. And I said, if he's not saved, if you continue to 
have that joy of the Lord and do your work as unto the Lord, I said, he's going to come to you at some time and he's going to talk to you and you're going to have an opportunity to share with him about salvation. And I said, think about this. I said, you and I, I said, we can't save anyone, but you and I can affect someone's eternity. I said, you and I can affect someone's eternity. We can have a part in determining that whether they go to hell for eternity or whether they go to heaven for eternity. We can't make that change. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But we can be that voice, that tool that God uses to speak to them. And I said, what could be more important than that? And he just lit up. He just, he just lit up, you know. We, God gives us an opportunity. You know, when we love our neighbors as ourselves, and we love the people that God brings into our life, our life just brings on, takes on a whole new purpose, doesn't it? Amen? It does. And also, God gives us new strength. Uh, I told you I went down to the VA hospital. And, you know, we were walking down the hallway, and I, and I saw these old veterans, you know. And they were like, you know, Vietnam era and older, okay. And I was like, and I was watching them. And I saw this one man, and he was, he was a big man. And you could tell, you know, he, he had, you know when he was young, he was, he was a big man. And he had this airborne hat on, okay. And, but he was, you know, I saw several guys like that. He was in a wheelchair or on a cane. You know, we saw all of them, a bunch of them like that. And as I was looking at this man, I couldn't help but think, you know, he was, he hit, you could tell he had been a big man. I said, there was a time when that guy was a bad dude. <laughs> there was a time when that guy was tough, you know. I said, there was a time when that guy would have jumped out of an airplane with an 80-pound rucksack hanging from him. And he'd have got up, got his weapon, got his backpack, and he would have gone and, carried out his mission, you know, and, and as I thought about that, and now here's this man, he's in a wheelchair, and he can barely get around. He's got to have someone to help him, either walk with his cane or push him in his wheelchair. And, you know, that's just part of life, isn't it? Our bodies become, become uh, deteriorate. You know, I have a friend, one of my coworkers, that was an Army Ranger, and he was showing me a picture of the day he graduated from Ranger training. <laughs> and it's like four of these guys, you know, and they're standing there, and he's got his ranger tab, and he's got this big smile, and he's got his chest out and his shoulders back. He was like, he was ready to take on the world. And there was a time when that man at that VA hospital was just like that. But now he's in a wheelchair, or he's walking on a cane. You know, our bodies deteriorate. Our bodies wear down. But not only do our bodies wear down and our bodies deteriorate, but sometimes emotionally we wear down. Sometimes spiritually we wear down. But you know, Paul said, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. And so even though we sometimes spiritually feel drained, and sometimes we spiritually feel like I have nothing else to give. You know, I've given all I have to give. I can't give anymore. I don't have anything left. Then you know, what we can do is we might just have to back up a little bit and we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need strength. I need help. And we spend time in his word. We spend time in prayer. And the next thing you knew, you know he's nourishing you. And you feel that strength and that vitality coming back. He gives new strength. And later on, that strength may be depleted. He gives you new strength again. Amen? That's just how wonderful he is. 
In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about all the things we're facing, persecution, distress, famine, nakedness, and all these things. He didn't, what did he say? He didn't say we would, not, we would not face those things, but he said in the midst of those, we'd be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? So God always gives us strength for what we're going through. And so, you know, as we talk about our disappointments and our betrayals and, and our heartaches and our, our rejection, all these sort of things, you know, when we look at what God has done for us and what God has given to us, then they don't seem that important anymore, do they? They don't seem so important anymore. But just in case they do, then our text says that there's coming a day in verse 4, when he will wipe away all tears from our eyes, there be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. You know, all that heartache, all that pain, all those tears will be gone. I'm looking forward to that day. All the former things will pass away, all of our disappointments and neglect and regrets and all these things will be gone. You know, God is so good to us, isn't he? He is so much better to us than what we deserve. And you know, he's just constantly giving to us. He loves us. He cares for us. He meets our needs. And he makes all things new. And so when we face trials and we face disappointments and problems and difficulties in this life, we can deal with them. We can deal with them because he's been so good to us. And not only has he been good to us today, but he's also given us hope for the future. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I close, we are very thankful for Brother Ed and his ministry and his message this evening. And if you are here this evening and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, you can know 100% sure that if you died right now, you would go to heaven. If you would just simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to save you and believe it in your heart, you could have that wonderful salvation that we've spoken of this evening. You could simply Pray a prayer, a simple prayer like this. If you're here or if you're listening and believe it in your heart, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe that Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. 